Does anyone here at any point in your life, like probably when you were younger, have like um, a burning desire in you to be something? Everyone had a burning desire in you to be like, oh, one day I want to be a firefighter or I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a scientist. Anyone had those kinds of dreams when you were younger? Yeah? I had those kinds of dreams. Mine are a little bit less, I think, big and heroic. See, when I was younger, probably when I was about seven or eight years old, um, I used to love to swim. Actually, still do. I loved swimming. I loved going to the pool. I would go to the beach. I was a water bug. I just loved to swim. And I thought I was a really great swimmer, like the best swimmer that there ever was. And I'd be at like Melville Aquatic and I'd be um, doing the laps in the fast lane because I was like really, really fast. And um, I remember swimming, doing laps, and I would see like the old grandmas that are like walking in the water for like their fitness. And I'd be like, oh, these guys are so slow. I'm such a good swimmer. Like, look at those grandmas. They're so slow. And I used to believe that I was a really, really good swimmer. So much so that my life aspiration, when someone was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? My life aspiration was to be a swimming teacher. Big aspirations. I know, right? I know. So I thought I was such a good swimmer. It came around to the swimming carnival at school. And um, we get into the swimming carnival. And all of a sudden, I'm swimming. And I realize... I'm not actually the fastest. There's actually people that are faster than me. And I was like, oh, what? I'm the fastest. What do you mean? But they're all grandmas. And I soon realized very quickly that I actually wasn't the best swimmer in the whole wide world. I soon realized that um, that, that, that dream of becoming, being the best swimmer and becoming a, a great swimming teacher was probably not something that I could ever achieve because I, didn't, I wasn't really a great I wasn't bad, I was just not amazing, you know? And so that was something I was like, oh, okay, there goes that dream of being a swimming teacher. Then when I got to about year seven, year seven, I discovered um, the internet and the ability and like the tutorials on the internet to be able to do your hair. You know, like hair tutorials, how to do up your hair, do braids and all these cool different things. I learned how to do that. And I thought I was really, really good at doing that. I, would, I remember I would go to school and I would wear these hairstyles that were like wacky as, I, like maybe not wacky, I don't know, I didn't think they were wacky, I thought they were pretty cool, but I don't know whether anyone else did. And I remember they were like, kind of like a pigtail knot, kind of fountain thing up the back of my head, and I, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I remember my family being like, oh my gosh, Louisa, your hair, it's so nice. And to me, I was like, oh, that's so encouraging. They love me. They think I'm really good at hair. And then in hindsight, now that I'm older, I'm kind of like, it was probably more of a like, oh, Louisa, your hair. It's nice. A little bit questionable. And so I remember one day I went to high school. And um, it was like when I was year eight. So it was like my first year of high school. And I rocked up and I was like, had my hair all cool and fancy. And I remember one of, um, someone came up to me, I was like, why do you do your hair like that? It's so weird. And I was like, what? OMG, that is so rude. And from that day onwards, you know, like, I was actually prepared to be one of, like, you know, the best rising hairstylist of the stars, you know? Like, I thought I was going to be an amazing hairdresser. That's what I wanted to be, a hairdresser. I had big aspirations, I tell you what. And it all came to nothing because someone told me that it looked weird. And I was like, oh, that hurts. That really hurts. Has anyone else ever had that before? Anyone else been in that situation? You know, 
from that day onwards, it was just pretty much plain ponytails every single day at school. I wasn't doing anything fancy. I was like, nah, you know what? I'm not going to be a, a, an amazing hairdresser. And it was from that moment on, I was like, so what am I good at? Who am I? Who am I now? And, you know, you've probably seen it. We're covering real talk topics at Nations Youth this term. And tonight's real topic um, is who am I? Who am I? You know what? And we, we, everyone, everyone that I know has probably gone on this journey of searching for their identity, searching who they are. And it, it's common for everyone. Everyone in this room is probably going to experience that. If not now, you'll experience it soon. We search for a, a, a way to identify ourselves, who we are. You know, we, we ask the question, who do I want to be? How am I the same as this person? How am I different from that person? Who am I? So tonight we're going to cover this thought of identity. Who are we? And the whole idea of identity, what even is identity? Well, the definition of identity is who someone is, the qualities and beliefs that make a particular person different from others. That's what it is to have, what it is to, the definition of identity, sorry. So when it comes to um, discovering our identity, I believe that it all comes down to perspective. It all comes down to a perspective on how you see yourself. And it, it comes from a number of different angles. You can look at a perspe- your, the perspective of identity from a number of different angles. And um, whatever angle you take will sort of develop that identity and what you, who you believe you are. Um, but there's actually only one perspective that actually really matters, and that's God's. There's only one identity that really matters. But the, um, the different perspectives, and we're going to look at them really, really shortly, but the first one is our social identity, what society says about us, what the world says about us. You know, these are based on a belief on, of what others see us to be. Um, and it can be made up of a number of things. It can be made up of our ethnicity, our bra- bleh, background, our, um, our past, our achievements. Um, you know, what else? Um, what else have I got here? What school we go to, what um, our financial status might be. Those are the things that the world and society place value on and place importance on as to uh, put us into a construct or a group that tells us who we are. Yeah? Does everyone get that? It's what society says about So, for instance, what society says about me, pretty obvious is that, like, my ethnicity, I'm Asian. I'm from Australia, though. You might not have known that. Um, I'm, yeah, that's part of who I am. That's what society, um, that's my social identity. A second one that, uh, another perspective that we can take on it is our personal identity, who we believe that we are, what we believe we say we are. You know, um, our personal identity, it's made up of two different things. It's your public self and your private self. Your public self is the things that people can observe. So what people see, your appearance, um, your behavior, your um, personality. These are things that people can observe. For instance, my appearance. Again, I'm Asian. <laughs> I am short. I'm actually really, really short. Probably can't tell from the stage, but I'm really short. Um, I'm tanned. Uh, I have black hair. That's my appearance, right? You can tell that that's what I look like. That's my um, outward appearance. That is my public self. The other part is like my personality. I'm an extrovert. I'm loud. I'm charismatic, bubbly, energetic. Callum might think that I'm bossy. You know, it's part of my personality. My behavior, the things that I do. So I work at church. I dance. I swim. I shop a lot. (laughs) 
probably more than I should. Ain't that right, Callum? <laughs> and I'm a babysitter. So those are the things that are in public stuff. You can observe it, and um, that's who others can see that I am and how I represent myself to be, because that's who I think I am. You know, and then there's the private self in, in, in determining our personal identity. Our private self is not easily observable. They're not things that people can see. And actually, um, you know, you need to delve a little bit deeper to be able to understand who someone is in the private self. So that includes our thoughts, our emotions, and our dreams. What are we thinking about? What are we thinking about on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, what am I thinking about on a day-to-day basis? Is it food? Probably. Is it um, my finances? Am I thinking about my finances all the time? Am I thinking about my future? Am I thinking about past regrets? Am I thinking about judgment on someone else? Am I thinking about my relationships? What are, what are my thoughts about? What am I really placing my thoughts on? The other one is my emotions. You know, we can actually be really good at hiding our emotions. Really good, especially coming into youth. You know, when someone tells us, hey, how are you doing? You're just like, yeah, good. But really, that's not true. You're going through stuff. But we, that almost, we, we try to hide our private self. We don't know, really know what's going on on the inside. And then there's also our dreams, what we desire to do or become. Um, and do we see something greater in our lives? What, what is the dream? What do we believe that we are going to become? So that's our, so that was two different perspectives that we're looking at. We're looking at a social identity, what society says. That's the um, social perspective. And then we're also looking at our personal identity, what we say about ourselves. So it's two different perspectives. But the third perspective and the perspective that is the most important, the one that actually matters, is God's perspective. It's our uh, identity in Christ. And our identity in Christ, how do we know that? Like, it, it's what God sees in us. And how do we know what God sees in us? It's simply written here in his word. It's simply written all throughout the Bible. Is verses that tell us who he says we are, who he, how he sees us. You know what? And our God, I believe that our God is a God that is our creator. He created us. He is our maker. And if anyone's going to know me best, it's actually the one that created me. It's not my parents. It's not my friends. It's not my boyfriend. It's actually God because he created me. He is the one that knitted me, that formed me. He knows me best. Hence, he's the only one that can tell me who I am. And you know what, what I said before is that um, the way that God sees us, it's all written in, in the Bible. It's all written in his word. And his word is unfailing. It is unwavering. It is the most reliable and trustworthy um, perspective that we can take on. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible has been around for thousands of years and it has not changed. What God says about us has not changed in the, in the papers of the scriptures. It has not changed. It is unwavering. However, what society says changes according to the trends. What others say changes according to um, how you act around them and what you've done for them. What... Um, what we say about ourselves changes according to the decisions that we make and the circumstances we find ourselves in. Yet God's perspective, our identity in God and what God says about us is unchanging. It is the most reliable source to find our identity and it's all written in his word, all written in the Bible. And the Bible, like I said, is filled with amazing and loving thoughts that God has of us as his believers. You know what, it says in the Bible that um, we are never alone. God is always with us. Henceforth, you are not a loner. If you ever believe yourself to be a loner or lonely, it's an absolute lie. The Bible says that you, we are wonderfully made. God created us as his most marvelous creation. What does that mean? Girls, you are beautiful. Boys, you are good looking. And don't doubt it. You are welcome. <laughs> the Bible says that we are beautiful, that we are marvelously made. The Bible says 
that you have a great plan and purpose. God sees you doing amazing things. That means you are not a mistake. You were purposed to be on this world. You are not a mistake. You are not nothing. You were made to do something, something significant. The Bible says that you were thought of so much, so much so that God's thoughts of you would outnumber the grains of sand. That's a lot of sand. That's a lot of thoughts about us, that God thinks about us. Henceforth, God thinks about you and for you all the time, and you are not forgotten. You are not insignificant. You are significant. So that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that you are loved unconditionally. God loves you no matter what you do. You don't have to earn his love. It's just given to you. He loves you no matter what. That's what it means to be, um, to be loved unconditionally. Henceforth, you are loved. That's what you are. You are loved. The Bible says that you are a child of God. He is your father. You don't have to worry because as a father, he will always provide and protect as a father should. Henceforth, you will never be in lack. You will never be harmed. See, we are his children. That's the thing that I want to hone in on and focus on in terms of our identity in Christ because, like I said, the Bible is full of verses that tell us who we are. But tonight I want to focus on who you are as a child of God, who you are as, as, the fa- as God as your father. Because we are, he, he is our father and we are adopted as his children. It says in Romans 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. See, membership in God's family is by grace alone. It's a gift from God and was given to you by accepting Jesus Christ. By believing in the Christ that died for you, died for your sins, raised from the dead to come and save you, to come and set you free. It was, it was just done for you and all you had to do was believe that he did it for you. That's all it takes. So what are we exactly receiving um, to become a child of God? It, it continues in Romans 8, um, 15 to 17. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, it's the spirit that we have received that has brought about our adoption to sonship. How do we receive a spirit? Again, just by accepting Christ into our life. Just by believing that Jesus died for you. When Jesus died, he sent his Holy Spirit into you. And because Jesus is the Son of God, that same Spirit of the Son of God lives in us. That because He is a child of God and His Spirit lives in us, henceforth we are then adopted as His children, as His sons and daughters. Does that make sense? Are you catching what I'm saying here? Yeah, awesome. And you know, that's how we identify ourselves as Christ. By doing so, we live as God intended from the very beginning of time. When he created Adam and Eve, he had always designed us to live as his sons and daughters. It was how God had always intended it. In Ephesians 1, 4, it, um, it even says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. How amazing is that? That before God created anything, he had us in mind. Before God created, he had predestined us. He had destined us for us to be adopted as sons and daughters. When, in the Bible, when it says sonship, it doesn't 
just pertain to men as to boys to be sons. It's sons and daughters. That word sonship just means to be adopted as a child. Yeah, so it goes for you girls too. It's not just sons, it's sons and daughters. And it's all according to his pleasure, all according to his will. Now, when we live by this, when we live knowing that God is our father, we, we live with a confidence knowing that God will provide for us. We live in a way that is so different when we know that God is our father. It changes the way that, that we, we respond to the world and the way that the world responds to us. Because I don't know whether you know, as I've said, that God is your father, but do you understand who God is? God, the creator of the entire universe, the maker of every living being in this place, the maker of um, every, every plant, maker of every star, every, every animal, of the oceans, of the earth. God, our creator that made all this, is your father. How crazy is that? Our God carries so much authority. For example, I'll put it into a perspective that might help you understand this. Imagine if your dad was the president of America. That would mean that you sitting right here would be the first child. That's what they deem it. First child. The first son or the first daughter. You know, if your father was the president of America, that comes with a lot of perks. I mean, it's like, whoa, it's the president's daughter. Oh, my gosh. Whoa, it's the president's son. Oh, my gosh. I put it on an American accent. It comes with a lot of privilege. It comes with a lot of perks. Um, but when we understand that we are a child of God, it changes the way that we respond to the world and the way the world responds to us. Um, when, when we understand that he, we are a child of God, when it, it changes the way we respond to the world. Hence, um, you know, whatever comes at us from the world, we should respond in a certain way that only, that believes that we are a child of God. For instance, um, if, you, if you go through a situation where um, someone is saying mean things about you, you're spreading malicious rumors about you at school, yeah? Someone's saying stuff about you to others. When you don't understand, when you don't believe that you are a child of God, it's pretty easy to just take on those words, take on those rumors, take on what people have said about you and let that define your identity. It's pretty easy to do that when you don't understand you're a child of God. But when you do understand that you're a child of God, when you know that your father is the creator, no matter what, the kinds of things that people are saying about you and no matter what the kind of rumors that people are spreading, you, you can stand and believe, no, I'm a child of God. The Bible tells me that this is who I am, that my God is the creator. I have nothing to worry about because none of that is true. All of it is a lie. Um, and, you know, who was here for Bonfire last week? Anyone? Hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bonfire was it. Richard's got his hand up. He shot his hand up straight up. And I tell you why I decided to point out Richard. Because, Richard, this isn't to bag you out. You are amazing, amazing man of God. But I tell you what, the, the moment when Richard was firing that arrow into the fire, it actually illustrates an amazing picture that goes with this sermon. It actually illustrates because um, when we understand that we are a child of God, when the enemy pulls back his fiery arrow of hurt, of pain, and tries to shoot it. When we know that we're a child of God, what does that happen? Simply falls off. Doesn't even burn a thing. It snuffs out before it can hurt us. <laughs> but it does not hurt. It does not take any effect. It doesn't actually come upon us. 
How amazing is that? When we know we're a child of God, the world responds differently to us. Because I tell you what, like I said, the enemy will try to do everything in his power to try and hurt you, to try and shut you down, to try and um, diminish that idea or that belief that we are a child of God. He'll do anything that he can. He'll He'll seep lies and doubt into your mind. He'll he'll bring sickness. He'll bring hurt. He'll bring um, pain in your family. That's what the enemy tries to do. But when we believe that we're a child of God, our response to that is simply going to our Father because he has all authority. He has all authority to, to diminish all the power that comes from the enemy. There's no power in the enemy. It's all in God. And we can trust in that. We know a God that no matter what happens, no matter what gets thrown at us, um, we can trust in him. Maybe you think negatively about yourself, you know, that you're unattractive, you're stupid, a failure, you have no friends. Can I tell you that that is a lie of the enemy? That is a complete lie of the enemy. It is absolutely not true. And I, like I said before, the enemy will try and tell you what he can to stop you from believing that you're a child of God. He'll do anything possible. And he's not creative. He does the same thing. He says the same things. He seeks the same lies. And they're all just lies. See, the truth is it's all in his word. As I mentioned before, it's all in his word. Yeah, if I can get the keys up, that'd be awesome. (laughs) You know what? I know that God the Father is my heavenly father. I know that I know that I know that my God is my heavenly father. And when I know that, it's what I stand upon. It's what I stand upon. When, when something comes my way, when the enemy tries to throw his fiery arrows at me, they don't go anywhere. They don't hurt. They don't, you know, they just snuff out straight away. That's what it's like to live knowing that you are a child of God, in confidence of your, of your father, of your savior. See, that's how we know who we are, who we are in God is as a child of God. That's just one of many, many different things that God says about you. This is, that's why... This whole um, topic of who am I, it's just part one. Because there's so much more that we could understand, but it all takes just going into his word and studying his word. As I read before, that anyone that believes in Jesus and by doing so has received the Holy Spirit is a child of God. That is who you are in the eyes of God. It's the only perspective that matters. Not what society says, not what the world says, what not other people say about you. The only one that matters, the only perspective that matters is God's. 